Rise and shine, my little friend. This is Ants Under the Sun. Let's observe. I saw it firsthand. Three-wheeled and tiny, the right size for a five-year-old. Rustic, broken, singed at the handles. The tires and stuck to the very floor it was extracted from when it happened. A remnant depicting one of the greatest atrocities in human history. We walked in a line. There were so many people who wanted to pause and take in the pictures of people dying, burned to the core. Indeed, they were burned to the core. I hope they enjoyed these photographs. The ones who suffered didn't, myself included. We kept on walking. August 6, 2015. It didn't take long for me to reach the Peace Memorial Park from the Genbakudon Mae tram stop. Right from the exit and beyond the repaired infrastructure, the office buildings, the modern cars were used to, the smiles of people taken for granted, you would see a park housing what Hiroshima is best known for. I breathed in the air, walking the park throughout the noon. Homages and tributes were scattered throughout the greenery, with statues, exhibitions, and installations of all kinds. The patterns were consistent, messages of peace, ruins that lasted a little past half the century, and cranes. We know those stories, of the paper cranes the young children would make in search of peace, where they could fly away to beautiful skies. Birds of happiness, they'd call them. You can find most of them here, at the Children's Peace Monument. They hung on paper string in groups of 25 each, surrounding the monument, a statue of a little girl. It's an old tradition, and the cranes are still done and hung until this day. Sasaki Sadako was a young girl who, tragically exposed to radiation at age of two, wanted to live. Diagnosed with leukemia at the age of 12, she sought recovery and turned to the old Japanese belief of the crane. A mystical creature believed to have lived for a millennium, they are known as symbols of fortune and longevity. Mothers would pray for the protection of the crane's wings for their children by reciting the following prayer. O flock of heavenly cranes, cover my child with your wings. If you folded a thousand of them with origami paper, your wish would come true. They called this act Senbazuru. Sarako wanted to perform Senbazuru to get better and heal herself over time. She folded it with all kinds of paper, not only origami, but others around the house, including the labels from her medicine. Sadly, 664 cranes weren't enough. Another source says she made 1,300 of them, but regardless of what the number was, Sarako's wish could not come true. The crane carried another soul to paradise. Her classmates, distraught, heartbroken, finished the rest for her sake and buried her with a thousand cranes to honor her dream. The monument was built for her honor and to all the children who perished in the blast. It reached completion on May the 5th, 1958. As if it wasn't poetic enough, that date was Children's Day. In front of this same monument was a group of high school students, all boys in their loose, white-clad uniforms and of ranging ages. 
they were a choir, and they sang this beautiful song. It reminded me of the one tune my grandfather learned back in school. They changed his school curriculum when Japan occupied Sarawak, Borneo Island. Though that song, Aikoku no Hana, to me was the symbol of his upbringing, it was also fascinating to ask myself why he had to learn that song. I guess it was a sign of the empire back then. Maybe the song in front of me was the same too. Or maybe the song was to commemorate their rise together after such a horrific event. Perhaps the most fascinating and flawed part of this park is the known UNESCO World Heritage Site, the Gembaku Dome, still standing despite the rubble. The name Gembaku Dome had replaced the old one, the Hiroshima Prefectural Commercial Exhibition Hall, a mouthful indeed, designed by the architect from the Czech Republic, Jan Letzel. For 30 years after its completion, Letzel's creation housed offices for government, key players in charge of pushing the gears of a warring nation at the time. But on that day... Letzel would have been proud of its still standing. He would also cry at its ruin. The instant that had happened was when the name changed from a hall to a symbol a symbol of destruction and perseverance at the same time. I stood quite a distance from it. I tried to peek inside through the gaping hole in the dome, the emptiness, like trying to look into a cracked egg. There was only wreckage and brick, all ruined inside. Even though most of the park is clean and built to reminisce the rise of a city past this atrocity, we could always as masochistic as it sounds, transport back to those harsh times. I'd recommend this path only for the purely curious and the emotionally strong. It only takes 200 yen to enter a dark time at the Hiroshima Peace Memorial Museum. Imagine a building filled with everyday items. They lasted for decades, and despite their age, you could still touch them. Now, burn it all. And you get a good picture of what's inside this building. What makes these items so special are the ways that they take you into the past, when it happened, and how these items survived the blast and radiation. Who owned it? Which area of the city? The distance from the epicenter? Lunchboxes and uniforms, burned clothing, a little sandal here and there. Tiny parts of life that we can find throughout our days, but damaged. They were all collected since the first display room in 1951, with trinkets and debris collected by Nagaoka Shogo, a geological scientist. Four years later, on August 24th, the museum opened with Mr. Nagaoka as its first director. 
It was unanimous. Laws were placed to support its construction, with a ton of volunteers collecting artifacts and materials related to the event. I could take a walk down memory lane when all this happened here, on life in the city before the event on the second floor, the dangers of nuclear weapons on the third. Further in, there were drawings from little kids of the fire they witnessed, tons of red and drawn bodies in rivers. There were photographs too, the singed skin of survivors, silent cries from mothers as they held their children. I'd have to say, it was horrific. Beyond all the photographs and artifacts, one stood out from the rest. There it was. The tricycle. Just right in front of my eyes. Here is the description as provided by the Peace Memorial Museum website. Quote, Shinichi Tetsutani, then three years and 11 months, loved to ride this tricycle. That morning, he was riding in front of his house when, in sudden flash, he and his tricycle were badly burned. He died that night. His father felt he was too young to be buried in a lonely grave away from home and thinking he could still play with the tricycle. He buried Shinichi with the tricycle in the backyard. In the summer of 1985, 40 years later, his father dug up Shinichi's remains and transferred them to the family grave. This tricycle, after sleeping for 40 years in the backyard with Shinichi, was donated to the Peace Memorial Museum. End quote. Little Shinichi was only one and a half kilometers away from the blast. It's strange, a bit eerie to me, a coincidence. On the day that the father donated the tricycle, I was born eight years later. Now I have something else to think about, other than my own age. A tricycle and the innocence of a little boy. The river illuminated at night. It was a warm glow, still lively from the myriad of tourists. But feeling it there in person, the ambience was quieter. It was a time to enjoy and a time to let go of yourself. There were paper lanterns floating across the surface, tons of them, in all sorts of colors. Written on them were messages of peace and appreciation. For we must learn to walk proudly into the future bearing the burdens of our ancestors. The tourists and locals were taking pictures of the beautiful site. I took some too, of course. My lantern was blue in color. I had eyed it before and after it passed beneath the bridge I was on. If I zoomed in enough with my camera, I could see my own message. And knowing that, I remembered feeling a surge of pride. It joined the others and added to the site wandering on the waters among the millions of them. There was serenity in that hour. We could all sit down and enjoy the colors going downstream, lighted by flickering flames in their centers. We could relax and take pictures and react to the messages written. We could wander and think about all that happened to us until now. We could play with the beauty of the scene, knowing that it bloomed from such an atrocity 
if it was this very day. Of course, the city of Hiroshima would go all out in enjoying life. All for now. All to unite and remind, and all to learn the lesson of mass destruction and of perseverance after such peril. I took a picture of my message and just found it again weeks ago in my archives. Kind of embarrassing, actually. On my blue lantern, I wrote the following. As much as tragedy struck and the lives that were lost were many, know that Hiroshima has recovered and grown into a city of which you cannot imagine 70 years before that Nihon would live on, learning from the past, keeping you in memory. Stay with us. We still remember you. You're still alive with us today. I could have written better. <laughs> but really, Hiroshima has grown so splendidly. And you, you are alive with us today. I may have not said it earlier in this story, but all this happening on this very day, when I flew into Hiroshima, just me and my trusty backpack, it was the 70th anniversary, August 6, 2015. 70 years ago this day, there was a flash of light and the children hanging out in the playground froze in fire. 70 years ago was when the mother that held her daughter's hand, taking her to school, stared at a mushroom cloud in the distance and perished, standing. It was close to three quarters of a century ago that 64 kilograms of uranium stood above all life and decimated it. It was just one lifetime ago that a tragedy was orchestrated by one who had become death, destroyer of worlds. I touched it, you know, the tricycle, just a light prod. I wanted to grasp the handle just to see how small it was, how my living adult hand wraps around it. I stopped myself. I had started to tear up. I don't think I should anyway. It's harrowing. Harrowing to know that the photos on the walls of the museum were taken in this frozen time, the moment when a city of 350,000 people had planned to spend their mornings in uncertain peace, only to have the afternoon crying in fire and ash. It became a habit to remind myself to be grateful to each day. I could live past 8.15am and enjoy my days in its ups and downs. To be grateful for living beyond this time, I could open my eyes to such peace, even if I hear about the most harrowing of things around the world. To know the environment around me being safe and sound is reassuring and a start. I guess it's all about how we perceive such difficult times. Our thoughts are our greatest strength, after all. It can never be hindered by the droppings of a bomb, whether figuratively or physically. To prevent such destruction in the first place? Now that is something worth persevering for. Maybe I'll get a tricycle for my hypothetical kid in the future. Or I could get a few for an orphanage. I hope they'll like it. In the meantime, with my very own hands and my voice, I'll make sure they can ride it 
on safe grounds. The sun is setting, my little friend. Back into the burrows. The city of Hiroshima is only a flight away in Japan, but if it's not a direct flight, it's best that you travel there from Osaka rather than Tokyo. <laughs> it's cheaper. The Peace Memorial Park can easily be reached by train or tram, and you just have to look for the Genbaku Dome Mae Station. That's Genbaku Dome Mae Station. I highly recommend that you. Walk the entire park. There is a ton to see, and a ton to learn. Ants Under the Sun is a podcast created, hosted, and written by Norman T. Chella, a Malaysian of the Iban tribe from Borneo Island. That's me. The songs used in this episode were the following: Sovereign, Mesmerize, and Private Reflection by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. For more on this show, you can check out that'sthenorm.com/ants. Once again, that'sthenorm.com/ants. It's where I house all my other shows too. If you like this show, consider subscribing in your favorite podcast listening app, whether it be Spotify, Castbox, Apple Podcasts, or the app of your choice. To keep the show alive, you can help me out by giving a star review on Apple Podcasts as well. <laughs> it sounds tiring to repeat it over and over again, but I'm genuinely grateful for the fact that you're listening to this. Seeing your support by subscribing and reviewing is an amazing thing as well, and I thank you for the bottom of my heart for it. <laughs>